Greetings and welcome to another episode of From John to Justin, where I look at every single election in Canadian history. Right now we're doing 36 episodes in a row to coincide with the election that has been called in Canada, and it's running for 36 days. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. I have a few people who have donated, but I'm going to be waiting until I get back to my regular episodes to thank everybody. So, if you did donate, your thank you on the air is coming. But if you also donate, you get a thank you through my social media, so extra bonus. Don't forget, I have three other podcasts out there. Canadian History X, which releases every Wednesday and Saturday. Canada's Great War, which releases every single Sunday. And Coast to Coast, which releases every single Thursday. I do all these podcasts full-time. The writing, the research, everything. In fact, over the next 30 days, because of these 36 episodes in a row, I'm putting together 51 episodes. It's a lot of work, and I do it full-time. So any dollar you give helps keep it all going, and I truly do appreciate it. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. When the October 26, 1908 election rolled around, Canada looked a bit different. Two new provinces had been born of the Northwest Territories. Three years prior to the election, on September 1, 1905, Alberta and Saskatchewan had joined Confederation. But to start, there would be little change in the overall dynamic of the prairies, with the riding boundaries still existing from the original Northwest Territories. The Northwest Territories would also lose all representation after this election, which at the time included all of the current Canadian Arctic except for the Yukon, which was represented, half of Manitoba and Ontario, and half of Quebec. It was a huge area that no longer had any representation in Parliament after this election. The previous session of Parliament before the election would also bring in some changes to the election law. One of the biggest was the fact that bribery was now made a serious offence. It was also enacted that no company or association other than one incorporated for political purposes could put money to aid a candidate in an election for political purposes. In terms of bribery, the new act stated, quote, The briber found guilty shall be disqualified for a term of eight years thereafter from voting at any election or holding any office in the nomination of the Crown or the Governor-General of Canada, end quote. The individual found guilty would also be sentenced to six months in prison with or without hard labor and required to pay $200 in fines. Anyone who took a ballot out of the polling station or fraudulently delivered a ballot to the returning officer would be banned from voting for eight years as well. Newspapers could also no longer slander a candidate or party and only those who were termed as Canadians could actually canvass for votes. Robert Borden began traveling the country for a year leading up to the election promoting the new platform of the Conservative Party. This platform, called the Halifax Platform, was put forward on August 20, 1907. It called for a reform of the Senate and the civil service, an immigration policy that was more selective, or, in other words, more racist, free rural mail delivery and government regulation on telegraphs, telephones, and railways, with the goal of having government ownership of telegraphs and telephones. Borden would state that this new policy was, quote, the most advanced and progressive policy ever put forward in federal affairs. End quote. The Conservatives also attacked the Liberals in a campaign that cited gross corruption of ministers in their departments. 
they pushed the phrase of wine, women, and influence peddling to sway the voters from the Liberals. Laurier did not like this offensive from the Conservatives, but he would act upon it and court public opinion. He would tell two of his ministers to resign, and he would appoint commissions of inquiry to identify irregularities. By this point, the Liberals had been in power for 12 years, and their slogan reflected this. Rather than have a rallying cry, their slogan was, Let Laurier finish his work. That's not to say that Laurier wasn't celebrated everywhere he went during the campaign. One story, possibly embellished, printed in Maclean's in 1911 stated, quote, At one meeting at Three Rivers in the campaign of 1908, an old gentleman on the platform was so busy drinking in Sir Wilfrid's words that he swallowed his false teeth. And a patriot of 1837, they call them patriots there, in the audience fainted through sheer emotion. End quote. Both sides were confident of winning the election, and the Windsor Star would report, quote, A bright October day dawned for the election contest, and the politicians were happy. Both sides want a big vote polled. The bigger, the better. They say, and hence the weather proved welcome. End quote. One odd incident occurred in Winnipeg when W.A. Carson, a Liberal Committee member, was suddenly arrested and thrown into provincial jail without any charge being provided publicly. Bail was also refused and he was given no telephone communication. The following day it would be printed that five cases of bribery were being brought forward against five men in the Winnipeg area. The men were charged with paying between $3 and $5 per vote. The entire incident would get even more bizarre when on October 29th, Edmund Howell, the son of the Chief Justice of Appeal, represented Carson, and after the Attorney General refused to release Carson, Howell then went down to the court the next day and punched the Attorney General in the face. Carson and the other men would plead not guilty, despite papers being found on them, that outlined where the money was being utilized. The charge of bribery had actually come from an employee of Carson, Samuel Calvert, who claimed that he was given money in order to vote for the Liberal candidate. In St. John, New Brunswick, Herbert McKinnon, a tugboat man, was arrested and charged with tampering with the voters in Kings County after he approached several voters and offered them money to be absent from the polls. The Ottawa citizen once again went on the side of the Conservatives, printing in large bold letters on Election Day, quote, This is a fight of the people, for the people, under the leadership of Robert Laird Borden, against a group of officeholders under Sir Wilfrid Laurier, who have been untrue in their trust as leaders of a great country and a great party. End quote. The Montreal Gazette would print a story stating that Laurier supporters had printed and circulated Orange Sentinel articles in an effort to fool Catholic voters in Ontario. And after years of increasing their seat count, the Liberals had their first setback, with the loss of four seats in the election, falling to 133, but still having a very strong majority. The Conservatives would gain 10 seats to finish with 85, and increased their share of the popular vote by 0.3%. The election was also notable, as it was the year that Arthur Meehan entered the House of Commons. He would eventually serve as Prime Minister, albeit briefly, twice in the 1920s. For Robert Borden, who had lost the previous election, as well as his own seat in the Liberal landslide, it was vindication for his decision to stay on as leader of the Conservatives. The Conservatives also won the majority of seats in the British Columbia after being swept in the last election, and they picked up five seats in Nova Scotia, another province the Liberals swept them in in 1904. In Ontario, the great battleground, the Conservatives still had dominance with 47 seats, while the Liberals finished with 37. 
Many newspapers state that if Borden had won more seats in Ontario, he likely would have won the election. The Vancouver province would report, quote, For the poor showing of Ontario was the most canvassed feature today in opposition circles. The Liberals, though depressed by the local showing, are of course delighted with the general results and both parties are celebrating. End quote. In Quebec, the share of seats controlled by the Liberals actually fell, but only to 52, while the Conservatives picked up 12. The Labour Party also earned its first seat in the House of Commons as well, with one seat in Quebec. The Regina Leader, which supported the Liberals, printed in a large headline, quote, Sir Wilfrid Laurier will finish his work, sweeping victory for liberalism and good government, end quote. And while Laurier won the election, he was exhausted and ill from the campaign effort that was unlike any he had dealt with since his early years in politics. He would almost choose to resign, but he chose to stay on. And he would say after the election, quote, I carry my advancing years lightly, but I no longer have the same zest for battle. I undertake today from a sense of duty because I must what used to be the joy of strife, end quote. While he was tired from the campaign, he was seen at the Chateau Frontenac after the election and was reported to be, quote, bubbling over with good humor and was particularly interested in the returns from Ontario, which seemed to give him great pleasure, end quote. Borden, on the other hand, was galvanized, and while he would face some dissension within his own party for the second election loss, he would stay on, and in three short years, his work would be rewarded. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at the 1908 election. Tomorrow, the 1911 election. And this one is an important one. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. Again, if you like, you can support the podcast through Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash canadaehx. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. And I'd like to say thank you to all of my wonderful patrons, and if I mispronounce any names, I do apologize. Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romain, Dr. Bob Turner, one anonymous person who I really appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roy, Luke Guess, J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, and Iris Gray. Information from Dynasties and Interludes, Biography, Wikipedia, McLean's, Winnipeg Tribune, Regina Leader Post, Windsor Star, Ottawa Citizen, Montreal Gazette, and the Lethbridge Herald. Thanks. We'll see you again next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.